Hello, my name's James Bagley. And I'm Lucy Chaw. And this is The World We Got This podcast from King's College London. How has the feminist movement been democratised over time? What differentiates the feminist strike from the conventional labour strike? And how do we bring feminist activism into the everyday activities of life? In the week following International Women's Day, we handed the podcast over to Professor Yelka Bustin and Phoebe Martin. Yelka is a professor in gender and development and runs the Gender Studies Network here at King's, while Phoebe is a PhD student and one of the editors of the Feminist Perspectives blog. They interviewed Veronica Gago, a scholar activist who wrote a book titled Feminist International, How to Change Everything. They discuss how feminism is no longer an exclusive language or an exclusive knowledge, but it is a way of life, a discussion that needs to be had in every sector of our everyday lives. If you like what you hear here today, I encourage you to check out the Feminist Perspectives blog on the King's College website, the details of which you'll find in the show notes below. I also encourage you to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to it. It really helps others to find us and to engage in these important conversations. So let's dive into this week's episode. Here's Yelka and Phoebe in conversation with Veronica Gago. Hello, I'm Professor Yelka Wilson. I run the Gender Studies Network at King's College London. Hi, I'm Phoebe Martin. And with a group of fellow PhD students, we started a blog called Feminist Perspectives at King's College. This is the podcast World We Got This from King's College London. We are here with scholar activist Veronica Gago. Veronica is Professor of Social Science and Gender Studies at the University of Buenos Aires, and she's an activist of the feminist group Ni Una Menos in Argentina. Veronica published the widely praised and distributed book Feminist International, How to Change Everything. Feminist International has quickly become the go-to book for theorizing and organizing contemporary resistance against exploitation and oppression. Feminist International unpacks how we can understand the seemingly rising levels of violence against women, lesbians, travesties, and trans people, and the related economic exploitation of women's labor. Most importantly, the book diverts our gaze from a victim narrative of oppression and violence to a narrative of active resistance, showing the emergence of feminist mass movement in Latin America that gets things done, despite the conservative countercurrents. Veronica, welcome. So it was the week recently of International Women's Day. What does 8 March mean to you? In first place, it, is, it was a strange feminist strike because it, it was after a year of pandemic. So the conditions to organize, to mobilize and to protest are obviously very different than one year ago. Uh, but uh, at the same time, we are able to do it despite the, the pandemic uh, suffering and despite the, the difficulties in each territory to organize the um, mobilization. We are all the time thinking how to reinvent and recreate the way of striking. So this was also a challenge to think about feminist strike in the midst of the pandemic. 
at the same time for us it is very important how the the feminist strike and especially the last feminist strike is a time to to think together and to uh, act together all the things that we are uh, discussing elaborating uh, but also in terms of active praxis and political work in relation to what kind of reproductive work we are doing during the pandemic so the feminist strike was very difficult in that year but at the same time we uh, feel that is uh, urgent because maybe now uh, more than ever is uh, urgent our feminist agenda in terms of reproductive labor in terms of more salaries in terms of what are we doing with the food and medicine in terms of privatization of uh, that um, issues so uh, i think that we are in this paradoxical situation that it is difficult to strike in our uh, situation but at the same time we feel the feminist strike more urgent than ever so uh, we we managed to produce uh, the political action we managed to reinvent again the feminist strike and i think that is also very important how the feminist strike is building every year a more uh, solid a more uh, wide network of transnational feminism so i think that is also uh, like a practical diagnosis and also a transnational diagnosis of what we are doing in front of uh, the pandemic confronting the crisis and disputing the sense of the crisis we use strikes a lot to put pressure upon employers and governments could you perhaps explain a little bit more how you understand the idea of a feminist strike considering that it it's in part a strike among those who do not have a formal employer so how does that work who do we pressure by striking yes i think that the, the feminist strike is like a redefinition of the strike itself and it is the redefinition of a powerful form of a struggle in a new historical moment so we we have to update the notion and the practice of the strike and i think that we are practically updating against uh, a narrow model of the strike like masculine white wage unionized and we are expanding its political scope i i think that for example organizing uh, workers in informal or popular economies organizing uh, students organizing all the work that is almost invisible from the point of view of the waged labor and organizing also different territories of struggle that are not usually named as a territory of a struggle i mean also struggles in terms of housing and in terms of against debt uh struggles against uh, the privatization of health and how we organize 
all these different conflicts in terms of the feminist strike. I, I, I think that the idea of the strike against debt, for example, a strike against the, and the massive impoverishment of the social reproduction of everyday life, a strike against unemployment, but also a strike against the super exploitation of domestic labor, how we connect and organize those very different conflicts and those very different terrains of struggles from the point of view of a feminist analysis, a feminist diagnosis, but also, and especially a feminist way of doing politics. And uh, I think that we think about this transversality of struggles, transversality of spaces and territories, and how we organize an economy of visibility for those different struggles that are usually not count as political spaces in terms of traditional political spaces. So I think that the feminist strike enables us to do a practical cartography of feminist politics, but also I think that it's a political process that we are developing since uh, five years to then. So I think that we are learning all the time how to expand the feminist strike, but also how to produce a kind of duration of the feminist strike beyond March 8, how we produce this temporality of expansion of the strike beyond the, the day of the strike itself, and also how we produce time for ourselves to think what kind of politics we would like to do and how we produce time and space for our politics if we are all the time exhausted. That is the, our reality every day and more in the, in the pandemic times. So I think that the, the question of labor, time and spaces of struggles are very important for this uh, redefinition of the, the feminist strike, but also in terms of how the feminist strike is able to include different types of labor, different types of subjects and different types of struggles. And in, in countries like, like Latin America, but I think that the precarization is a global process. This question about how the new forms of exploitation are becoming more and more aggressive, are producing more cruelty against certain bodies and certain territories. I think that all these kinds of political questions are being put in the table by the feminist strike. And um, also, I think that the feminist strike is a research tool because it allows us to ask, what does it mean to strike in my situation? And this is, I think I, this is very important because it is also a sort of self and collective analysis of what we are doing, what are our situations in terms of everyday economy, but also in terms of the relation with territories and how we can insubordinate these mandates of capital valorization. 
So something you mentioned at the end there and like throughout your answer about the strike is this idea of expanding the scope of the strike into new territories. And that made me think of something that really struck me when I was reading um, Feminist International in the concept of the body territory and how the possibilities it presents for feminism that's both located in the body, but also situated in the world around it, a world that is facing exploitation in the same way the bodies are being exploited. So how do you see the body territory as a tool for contemporary activists? Well, I think that is a very important concept to connect this personal uh, dimension of our strike, but also uh, how we are connected with uh, more uh, wide territories. And I think that is also a concept very useful to go beyond the individual idea of body or the personal asset, very individualistic term. So I, I think that the, the idea of body territory is very feminist in, in the sense of rethinking all the time the connection between the personal and the political, but also arguing a, a territorial and material dimension of this personal and this body that goes beyond the individual. So I, I think this very powerful image and concept to rethink also the, the way we are embedded in different territories. And there is nobody without territory in a very strict sense and how we visualize uh, the territory that we are in connection with, but also in terms of the more classical concept of interdependence that we are developing and discussing for years. So uh, I think that the body territory is a lens of a very materialistic uh, approach to our present struggles. And also in Latin America, I think it, it has a connotation, a very strong connotation in terms of anti-structivism struggles. So I think that different kinds of conflicts against anti-structivism are uh, very relevant today and it is like a map of uh, very deep struggles in, in our uh, continent, in our region, but also it is another way of thinking, the, the more eco-feminism approach in terms of Latin America. I think that this has maybe like other vocabularies or other gra political grammars in Latin America that has to do with the struggles against structuralism. There's increasingly activism around land, no? And, yes. and those, yes. those are increasingly, interestingly, increasingly feminist. I think that's it's it's fascinating. The, the fact that there's increasingly female activism around land and extractivism but also increasing violence. Now, I wanted to ask you a question around gender-based violence. A lot of the activism, ni una menos, and a lot of the Latin American feminism of the last five, six years has really emerged out of this idea that violence against women is overflowing, that it's on the rise. Well, I wonder, do you think that violence is actually increasing in Latin America or is it changing? Is it, is, it, is it about visibility and change or is it about actual more violence? What do you, how do you see that? Well, I think it is both because on one hand, 
it is increasing in terms of the economic crisis and the effects of neoliberalism that are uh, more and more hard. And, and, and in that sense, I think that the, the increasing of violence has to do with the neoliberal politics that are now with four decades of accumulation of looting, privatization, and also different politics of unemployment, of massive unemployment. So this is, I think, that a very concrete symptom of the increasing of violence. But at the same time, I think that the feminist movement is producing uh, ways of highlight uh, this uh, kind of violence. I think that maybe uh, like five or ten years ago, the uh, gender-based violence was not so evident for the massive public as it is now. So I, I think that there is this like double bind in terms of it is a situation with more economic violence related to neoliberalism but at the same time we are also analyzing how this economic violence has to do with machista violence and how are the uh, links between machista violence and economic violence in this uh, neoliberal era and at the same time, I add that we are producing uh, forms of visibility, denounce of this uh, machista violence. So in, in that sense, it's also more visible because we are denouncing, we are naming, for example, as femicide uh, in a new way. So I think that the very important issue is how we are politicizing violence against women, lesbian, trans and travestis. Because I think that the, also the visibility of these uh, different kinds of uh, violence against women, lesbian, trans and travestis is also a result of our politicization. So uh, I, I think that is also a very complex issue because the debate is but if you are naming, you are producing more and more as a way of, for example, as Rita Segato uh, has, she has this hypothesis of this communication between machista acts and the, the force of expression of this violence. But I think that is also a response. The machista violence is a response against uh, more desire of autonomy and uh, against also more practice of autonomy. And it's in that sense, like a process that we have to analyze all the time um, as a counteroffensive of the feminist movement. Oh, definitely. And I think what you're talking about here, like all these ways of visibilizing violence and thinking about violence are part of the toolkit of feminism, in, specifically in Latin America. And I see kind of how these ideas that like you talk about Rita Segato and how these ideas flow around. And one of the things you talk about in the book is that one of the innovations of recent feminist activism is that it's a global phenomenon, but it's one that really has its basis in the global South. But within that, there is a sort of unevenness in the, the ways that feminist movements are developed. So I was thinking about how can feminists in countries with, although they have feminist movements, they may be much smaller and less um, less influential. I think about like Peru, where my research is based, although there is a feminist movement, 
it's nowhere near as big as in Argentina or Chile or Mexico. And I was wondering how can feminists in these countries build on the success of movements in other places? Yes, I think that is uh, amazing how the transnational dimension of feminism also is developing different uh, rhythms. And we are all the time building connections and uh, coordinations, but also uh, how we organize to uh, think at the same time the very specific conjunctor of each place and at the same time we feel part of a more transnational network. I think that the very specific form of this uh, feminist and transnationalism has to do with the combination of this very situated analysis praxis and at the same time the ability to build and to nourish this uh, transnational uh, coordination. And I, I think this is very uh, interesting how we um, can see the, the force, the strength of this transnational uh, coordination for each place. We, <laughs> we feel strong when we know that in the other country, on the other region are developing for example, the same actions and or are translating the uh, graffitis or are uh, translating the, the chants and we feel part of the same movement. I think this is the, the feminist in this transnational dimension is one of the more uh, important political movements of the present moment. So, for example, in, in Peru, we have uh, different connections with different groups and they are, for example, of course, uh, developing the different campaigns against femicide, but also they are uh, working a lot with peasant organizations and at the same time, they are in a more macro-political level also um, producing the feminist leadership for the next elections. So I, I think that, for example, we talk with different comrades from Peru. They uh, mentioned the Nuna Menos mobilization as a point of departure of their movement. And so I think that the slogan and the statement Nuna Menos starts as motto, as statement, as slogan, and become a social movement, a political movement. And in each place, it uh, has the ability to organize different collectives, but also to synthesize a sort of political voice to be part of these different diagnoses of the machista violence. I think that the displacement of the victimhood as a political action is a very important uh, moment of this uh, new statement. And I think that the comrades from Peru are developing a, a very militant and very important work in different communities. And of course, the differences in, in each country are enormous. And of course, we share common elements. And at the same time, we are very different in our trajectories of organizations. But I think that being part of a transnational movement is something that all the time enables us to uh, share different 
perspective, but also share different rhythms, rhythms of political activism. Yeah, it's definitely inspirational and to see the connections between these different movements. And you also mentioned like the translation of these ideas. And there's been recent protests in the UK, if you might talk about later. But one of the things I saw there was the translation of slogans that I know from Latin America into English at Feminist Marches here. And I think that made me think about the translation of ideas from the Global South and from Latin America to the Global North, to the UK or to the US. And I think about like the way that the last Tessie's performed outside the trial of Harvey Weinstein. And I think there's something very interesting to look at here is the way that ideas are coming from the Global South to the Global North and kind of reversing that flow that was traditionally there. Yes, for me that element is very important because it is also a practical element of anti-colonialism. That is a, a key element of our feminism. So I, I think that this path from the global south to global north is very interesting, it has to do with this matter of decolonization and also uh, how we organize to, to build our channels of communications, also with, for example, migrant collectivists, with collectives, sorry, with uh, migrants uh, from Latin America, for example, in Europe, and how they are organizing their participation in the feminist strike, but also how they are uh, proposing different forms of political activism related to domestic work, for example. And I think, as you mentioned, that the action of Las Tesis is amazing as a practical exercise of political translation, because the chant and the, the text of their intervention has been reappropriated, but also rewritten in different places. And I I like very much the idea of a thesis. Uh, it's a political thought of feminism. And I think that is very interesting against the idea of a feminist that is anti-intellectual, that is just pure practice. I think that we are uh, assuming a production of knowledge, a production of uh, concepts, and also how we organize this concept to be in the streets. And, and I think that this combination goes beyond the classical binary of if you are an activist or a militant, you have nothing to do with books and theories. And if you uh, are uh, worried about political thought, you won't have time to be an activist. I think that all the, the feminist practices are challenging this binary uh, idea of division of labor and they are putting in the streets our conceptual elaborations but also sharing knowledge and producing these scenes of political translation. I, I think this is very interesting. Yeah, the translation of knowledge. I had a question that just occurred to me now thinking about how activists now are accessing feminist theorizing and feminist ideas because it's not necessarily exclusively through books 
but it's also through social media and posts like that and conversations with people. And it's a much, it's kind of informal and democratized way of accessing knowledge and producing feminist ideas. And I was wondering if you saw that in these new feminist movements. Yes, I think that, that we are witnessing a practical democratization of gender language and uh, feminist discussions. Uh, and it has to do with the political movement, of course, that produce a, a kind of curiosity, but also a kind of practical research of, uh, well, I listen that, I want to know more, and I want to participate in this discussion group. And also I am part of this blog, or I want to be part of this political action, so I, I research how to be involved. I, I think that there are a lot of different ways of uh, being part, and it has to do with also doing a kind of research that has to do with know more about the historical discussions, but also know more about the genealogies of the different feminist traditions, but also has to do with reframing our practice and our everyday life also in terms of feminist problematics. So we are all the time trying to redefine our approach to a feminism in a very concrete and very practical way. For example, in Argentina, feminism is nowadays a reality in each organization, unions, universities, schools, workplaces, political parties. Each place nowadays is uh, involved in some kind of feminist debate. And I think that also uh, a feature of this new cycle of massive feminism. Feminism is not anymore an exclusive language. It's not anymore an exclusive uh, knowledge. And it's, I think, a, a transversal debate about how we organize everything, from food to health, from knowledge to uh, sexual and affective relations, from uh, housing to finance uh, discussions. So I think this is amazing how the, the, the feminist movement organized to politicize each space of everyday life. And nada nos es ajeno, no sé cómo decirlo en inglés. But if we, uh, I think we are organizing feminism as a way of life and as a way of appropriate every uh, discussion that has to do with different institutions, different uh, organizations, and different forms of doing politics. So I, I think this is very interesting because it is also a transgenerational movement. So all the time we are learning and we are in contact with different trajectories, with different experiences of different struggles of feminism and uh, in particular in Argentina we have a lot of years of national meetings of women, three decades of national meetings of women. Uh, nowadays that is called plurinational meeting of women trans transition. Let's be honest, it's like a feminist pedagogy that is developing year after year 
and I think it's like a popular school of feminism. But also uh, you have the practice of the feminist strike, but also you have the uh, national campaign for legal abortion, and you have also these uh, different popular organizations that are organizing soup kitchens, and they are discussing also feminism. So this multiplicity, I think, of spaces also means multiplicity of approaches to feminism as a way of knowledge, as a way of connect to a tradition of the struggles, but also as a way of rethink what we consider knowledge. So there's, there's a clear intertwinement of, uh, in your analysis, and I think that's what we see the last five years, particularly strongly in politics, in, in global politics, an intertwinement of harmful, exploitative capitalism with a patriarchal comeback, no? And so this suggests that we really need a feminist analysis in all these different spaces, as you just indicated. But we also need that knowledge in order to better understand the destructiveness and the nature of those political forces. Can you explain a little bit what you do in your book, I think, uh, how you see this intertwinement of capitalism with patriarchy? Yes, I think I we have to also add colonialism. I think that the, the most interesting thing of that kind of analysis today that is more and more a popular analysis is not just an academic analysis, it's not just an analytical analysis uh, or pure analytical analysis. It is also uh, a very um, concrete way of rethinking violences in everyday life. So I, I think that feminism is developing like a method to connect these different uh, or to intersect these different uh, violences from the point of view of everyday uh, practice. So, of course, I think that, for example, the research and the, and the trajectory of uh, Silvia Federici, Maria Mies, but also different anti-colonial thinkers in, in Latin America uh, that are reimagining these ways of connect patriarchy and colonialism and capitalism are very, very important. I'm thinking about Maria Lugones, but also different indigenous thinkers that are maybe less well-known. I think that this is a, a composition of thinkers that are very important, very useful, but especially because they are present in the uh, reading of everyday life. I think that the, the feminist movement can be seen also as a pedagogical movement in terms of how the movement is enabled to uh, more and more people to read our reality in terms of this interwining of violences, in terms of exploitation, in terms of race, class and gender analysis in a very practical dimension. So I, I think that is not something new, but it's new the way in which we are appropriating 
of this framework of analysis to organize a more popular comprehension and understanding of the current interwining of violences. So do you think might this sort of more inclusive uh, feminism, transversal feminism that we see now, can that be a voice of political opposition that speaks to a wider public beyond yes. feminist activism? Yes, we we can see that in the way that feminism is a presence, for example, in different struggles, migrant struggles, struggles against prisons, struggles uh, in terms of popular or indigenous uprising in Chile, Ecuador, Peru, but also anti-racist politics, for example, in Brazil. I think that the, the feminism is a very important political presence that is from within these different conflicts and struggles. It's not like something that is apart from these popular indigenous uh, or anti-neoliberal struggles. I think that the very interesting thing is how the feminism is a presence within these popular indigenous anti-neoliberal struggles. For example, I, I am remembering the, the in the Peruvian protest, to think about Peru, the the feminist first line, the girls who uh, were uh, disarming the, the bombs from the police, and how they were saying that they learned from the Chilean, Chilean from the Chilean protest to uh, organize this front line to protect from the police. And I, I think that this idea of uh, self-defense in terms of feminist politics is, for example, a, a very important element to connect different struggles. And we can see this element in the public space and in very different uh, struggles. Las desarmabombas, no sé cómo se dicen. Anti, yeah, what, what's the term? Phoebe, you're better at translating. Uh, I guess like, yeah, disarmers or like, yeah. Yeah, something like that. But the group of disarmers. Disarmers. Yes. Feminist disarmers, I like. Very powerful. It was, it was very powerful, absolutely. Yeah, especially the question of like, where were the feminists in the protests? A lot of people were like, oh, where are they? But they were there on the front line. Exactly. And doing also this work of like reproductive work of the struggle, yeah. trying to uh, organize, for example, the medical aid for the people uh, that were confronting the police, but also disarming the bombs, but also producing different forms of support for the continuation and the continuity of the struggle through days and days, for example. Yeah. And I think that also, for example, in Ecuador, the way that feminist collectives uh, we are organizing with indigenous collectives, how the uh, vocabulary of the demands uh, has to do with feminist politics. That is a completely novelty in terms of producing a common language to organize popular demands. So I, I think that is the transversality of feminism in very different ways of thinking 
the reorganization of politics. One of the things, COVID, this, this last year has been, of course, for everyone, so strange and unusual and novel and we're all housebound and uh, uh, can't go anywhere and still one of the things that can't be stopped is protest which is really interesting and of course not only feminist protest we see it around the world that populations won't be bullied into silence not even during a pandemic no and you also speak about spatiality in, in feminist activism and the spatiality of the feminist streets. And we have recently seen in the UK um, a renewed feminist activism, uh, women going on to the streets and reclaiming the streets. Do you think that, to, to what extent do you think that feminist activism has changed now that we are formally cannot go on the streets but still go on the streets? What is this doing with us, as it were? Yes, I think that we have the challenge to think the relation or the connection between reclaiming the streets and the mandate state at, at home. Yeah. And uh, what does a home mean today in terms of labor, in terms of uh, housing, uh, right to housing, in terms of debt, Friends, in terms of well, what kind of families or different sexual and affective relations are called homes? Uh, so I, I think that all these problems are very well known for the feminist activism, but nowadays are in the center of the political stage. And at the same time, how we connect this problematic of stay at home with reclaiming the streets. So I, I think that we are in the streets in a different way. We are in the streets also uh, producing care and producing communities of care to be able to be in the streets in those conditions. And at the same time, we are all the time thinking which is the connection of being in the streets and, I don't know how to say in English, and going with these politics of the streets into homes. I don't know if it is clear in English. Blurring the public and the private and making it... Yes, exactly, exactly. And, and how this massive dimension that we achieved in the streets are part of our uh, way of living at home. And uh, because I think that the certain kind of traditional politics are very proud of uh, their way of uh, produce protest, mobilization, demonstration, but it is more difficult to connect this dimension of politics with the <laughs> uh, politics of every day and the politics at home. So I think that Nowadays, we are all the time problematizing this connection, the, the massive moment and visibility with the more invisible politics in everyday life inside our homes, especially when we have the mandate to stay at home. I must say that actually your vision and the energy that you put into the idea of a new politics is really quite encouraging and positive. <laughs> Do you see the future as a feminist future? Well, I, I see that the feminist movement is the more dynamic in terms to connect with other struggles. 
with anti-racist struggles, with um, uh, ecological struggles, with union struggles, uh, with struggles against uh, extractivism. So I, I think that the, the feminist movement nowadays has the capacity to produce these massive demonstrations to connect beyond solidarity with other struggles. I think that the internationalism in terms of feminist internationalism is challenging the traditional forms of solidarity. And at the same time, I think that we have the, the experience of um, a political process that we are developing. And I think there is a very concrete political force that is taking shape in very different geographies. So I think that we can do it. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Let's do it internationally. Feminist international, international. Thank you so much, Veronica. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you too. You've been listening to The World We Got This podcast from Global Affairs at King's College London. This podcast was produced by James Bagley and Lucy Wilman with editing from Rachel Waugh.